All right, welcome everybody. I am already having fun now pre-chatting with uh, the very, very talented Talani Slocum. Um, and I, I was just remarking since uh, I have no, uh, no, uh, what's what's the proper word? Um, well, education? no better sense. Well, education, so, yes, not not use okay. it. Morals, moral compass. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So two okay. for two. You're doing great. What I was going to say great. is I have, I have limited taste, uh, and uh, I went ahead and actually, you know, complimented you on your mustache. Uh, yes. Saying, saying this is technically my children's mustache. Uh, they they like to do experiments with my facial hair while they have the opportunities. So I'll pass on the compliment to them. Please do. I definitely saw the uh, the colored, uh, you yes. know. Yes. Beard? What? I don't ever know what that's called. But those I are, saw at really... least in my family, those are called beard tails instead of ponytails. Yeah. And uh, we were able to braid them and color them, and that that uh, put a strain on my marriage. But my daughters enjoyed it a great deal. Sounds great. And now, now your daughters like the mustache look, which is which is wonderful. Yeah. This is day uh, two of the mustache, and I have I have not lost my relationship yet. So this is good. Not yet. <laughs> well, and and anytime you're ready, you can audition for Tacoma uh, uh, FD. You know, the guys from Broken Lizard would love to have you. I'm sure. Yeah, this is a mustache that calls out for fire departments everywhere. I think. I think so. I think so. Um, and all of the all of the silliness aside, do you know anybody, any of the folks from Broken Lizard? Because I know you're you're a huge improv guy. Uh, they're doing a ton of it. So any any intersection there? I don't know. I don't believe so. I feel like I've like crossed paths with them at some point. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look them up. Uh, yeah. But no, not that I not not that I'm aware of. Well, I I will I will see if I can make those connections possible because I think uh, you would definitely have fun on that set. Yeah. No, their stuff is great. I love their work. Yeah. Um, anyway, if if uh, people are not familiar with uh, with Ptolemy, uh, you can see him on Westworld as as Sylvester. Uh, and I have seen uh, you in Hitch, and I have seen you where where else? Uh, Burn Notice. Uh, I, I remember uh, kind of uh, looking through your IMDb and like, wait a second, that's another place I know you from. So Burn Notice, Hitch. You've been on Sopranos. I have not watched Sopranos. Sorry, everybody. Uh, you know, you've been on Vice, and you've been on Veep, which I found very uh, very cool. Uh, so we've seen you in a bunch of places, uh, which which I really enjoy. But I want to talk to you uh, about your career, and uh, I know you're a really introspective guy. So I really want to kind of uh, talk shop with you in terms of improv, in terms of your acting approach, and uh, things that you kind of got a chance to play with. So welcome to the program yet again. I'm really excited about it. There you go, and uh, we'll toast. And as we're toasting, Toast. by the way, to the love of acting, to the love of acting and to the work that uh, Ptolemy has performed. Um, and let's toast uh, also to your upcoming birthday. I know uh, I, oh, I'm, true. I'm in your club. I, I turned 45 this year. You're, oh, I see. Are you yeah. also a Scorpio? Uh, no, no. I, I turned uh, 45 in April. I'm a Taurus. I so, see. Yes. So you're yeah, it's passable. But my club involves Scorpios and Scorpios only because that's what Scorpios are like. 
Well, my mother is a part of your club, so I will definitely mm -hmm. pass that along. Uh, yeah, you'll, you'll probably know since you know your mother, but uh, we can be an intense bunch. Yes, absolutely. Um, and yet, I think the part that uh, you and I are also happy about, even though we're joined the, or you're about to join the 45 Club, both of us are really on our way and looking forward to 46. Are we? Yes. Yes, we are. Well, okay, great. Uh, good. Um, well, good luck to 46. May may your may your glorious 45 spill into a beautiful 46. Yes. Uh, it was also an attempt uh, of referencing the person who just won the uh, electoral college. Uh, who political reference. Political reference. I see. Yeah. Yes. I think 86 should be changed to 46. You got 46. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> See, people, this is how improv works. Uh, this is why you never should be writing anything as you go into improv. It really should come out naturally. But as I was looking at your birthday, I thought, that's a clever way of going there, and it fell flat. So never mind. That's interesting. It is interesting, the uh, the dynamic between, you know, that that is like the world of what improvisation is, is... Yeah it's a relationship to the unknown. Yeah. And so you're, what you're opening yourself up to is literally the unknown. Mm -hmm. uh, but the, the, the ways that we can really screw it up is you either you know, successfully structure everything that you do or you leave it up to chance. And you start to notice these things where it's like, if you go halfway between yeah. one or the other, you're, mm -hmm. you're kind of splitting your worship between two gods and neither of them like that. You know what I mean? Like you. There, there's so many, there's never a way to do life correctly, but in some ways you kind of have to like pick a God and and then follow that God, especially when it, go, it comes to like your relationship to the unknown. And so when you're like semi-improvise and then add some stuff, it's like, that's not, you almost like you're, you suddenly end up in a jail when there is no, there's no reason to imprison anything. Or yeah. Yeah. You you have a you know you can be building a, a like a beautiful structure and if the chaos gets in then it's like breaking down the thing that you've worked on, so it's it's a very delicate you know anytime we anytime we reach out into the unknown which is communication you and I you and I like I don't know what I'm saying you don't know what you're saying but anytime right. you're in that realm it's almost like you have to commit to one or the other yeah. Well, then I'll commit to uh, to saying whatever comes to mind, which, as my audience knows, is usually where I live. So I'm okay with I'm okay with that, God. <laughs> um, and I, again, in kind of um, uh, listening to some of the uh, you know interviews you've done, um, watching some of your work, and in reading about you, I I came across a few clips that you had with uh, with Thomas Thomas uh, Mildich who I you know, really, really enjoy. I am a big fan, uh, and I hope they continue, uh, he and Ben, with the long form uh, Mildich and Schwartz. Um, I really thought it was, uh, it was cute, and kind of the, the run that you had, and I, uh, I, saw, I saw a few of the episodes that, uh, that you've done. So immediately I started scrolling through IMDb to see if you're on Silicon Valley because I watched it. I didn't think I saw you there, but I'm like, wait no. a second, they're connected no. and I didn't see you, so no. No, was not on it. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, it's an interesting show. That's a cool show, and I use uh, some improv. I thought Veep was a great example of a show that uses uh, improvisation. Yeah. And the reason why they were, I don't know how David did it exactly when he took over, because I was still working with the um, British guys, and they do amazing work. But they are in a very similar place. They 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 kind of mix the two, but they do them in in separate steps. So there's a left foot and a right foot. So they structure a thing and then they go to the you know left foot concept, which is like, let's just improvise this whole thing and then come back to the right foot, which is let's structure the improv that we liked and they commit to each. And so you don't kind of end up in a middle ground. You, you're able to pull out the best of both worlds. And that is a, it's a really hard thing because you need to know how to exist in both. And then you need to fully give yourself over to both in phases because otherwise you'll it, you end up in this kind of like muddled it's kind of good but it's just a flavor and it doesn't truly like engage with you know the unknown and the wildness of improvisation and so they've mm -hmm. they've done something that's really special i think with that show yeah and in comedy i mean comedy on its own a scripted comedy it's it's a it's a symphony and it really has to have that uh, that flow it has to have the <clears throat> proper beats everything has to work so uh you know doing things halfway and improvising a little bit here and going uh scripted could be could be dangerous so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a fan of kind of uh going fully improvised or sticking to the script yeah and if you're going to mix them you need to like commit to it that's what's so cool about what they did they wrote a script then put the script away and then we improvised then they watched us and then they take that and build a new script. And then once that new script is there, then you can improvise off that. It's like, it, it, it's really difficult, which is why a lot of people don't do it correctly, but that is the correct way to do it. It's amazing. Perfect. So what was, uh, again, uh, out of uh, the shows that you've been on, by the way, Wire is another one. I think Wire may have been, no, Hitch is the first one I saw you on, then the Wire. Um, the question, now burn notices in my mind of thinking when I saw you there. Never mind. So uh, going back to my question of out of all of the shows that you've been on, uh, where did you get to use most improv? Was that on Veep? Yeah. Yeah. For I, in and again, a lot of times when you hear the word improv, there, it's kind of like saying it's a spice. It's kind of like we put some cinnamon in it. You know what I mean? Like they're not. They don't build anything on improv. They, because it's a catch word or they don't, you know, they have it, they have it as a backup or a net or they'll, you know, you'll improvise some lines or what have you. But Veep, the very, the very core of it uh, accepts and introduces an improvisational feel even to the structure itself. And in order to pull that off, you really need to know what you're doing. That's the only show that I've seen that is like, I would say even fully improvised shows Mm -hmm. often go too far they don't you know like they it it is again a balance between a duality of what is structured and what is unstructured and mm -hmm. the you know these quote-unquote improvised shows aren't for the most part They're, they don't have freedom they have a lot of constraints and it's right. uh it's rough so veep commits to both but commits fully to both or did and i i was uh, I was really impressed with that process. Very cool. Did you watch, going back to uh, Thomas and uh, Ben for a second, did you watch uh, uh, their show? Yeah. 
Yeah. What What did you think? I what again? I I haven't done long form. Uh, I I did you know a year plus at Second City, you know A three plus uh, plus other uh, stuff in Chicago, but long form was never a part of it. So watching them in long form made me want to do long form because it seems yeah. like. But the uh, kind of breaking the fourth wall, I didn't expect that. So yeah. uh, is that a well? They, you know, they have an aesthetic, but I, I they're their variation of long form is just great and it it is a real um it's really set up for them because there's a freedom so they don't they don't structure things too too much but they have a sense of like where they're going so it's nice they're very light on structure and you know high on drive like where is this thing driving and it's great it's great to see it's so you, like when you watch that you have to remember that if you enjoyed any piece of it to be able to convert a live living moment into an entertainment that is stored and has been in a refrigerator and is taken out of a refrigerator has to be edited put together and presented to you as something that is not live is an incredible achievement so just to be able to watch a live improvised show in any format that has been filmed you got to give them a lot of credit like that is that's like if you were inside of that room and it was living it would just feel amazing it's a great they do a great job yeah i i'm i'm a fan i was i was bummed that i didn't have any more of their episodes to watch so hopefully when things you know uh free up we get a chance to uh to see more of it um the the amount of comedy right and then kind of uh you know you doing improv and you're doing groundlings and you're doing a ton of other stuff not growlings, uh, the uh, Citizens Brigade when you were in uh, in New York uh, before you yeah. got to LA. Um, it's interesting that kind of one of the first times that I saw you, it was on The Wire, which was not a comedic character. That was a that was a really interesting, dramatic uh, part. Uh, so how did that come about? And I guess uh, from an acting perspective, uh, you know, if people view you as somebody who's on the comedy side, uh, how did the audition come about for you to play somebody who's not comedy at all? I actually think for acting on the act, like for commercials, I do a lot of comedy, but for acting, especially if you look at the IMDb list, it's almost all straight drama, like hard drama, intense, like pretty dark drama. And that's where, you know, that's uh, that's kind of what I love. Uh, perhaps that's why I've been drawn to stuff like that or people that produce that kind of stuff is uh, drawn to the work that I do. But um, I think stuff on the fringe of uh, the psychologically sane or insane is important to me. I think darkness is important to me. Um, Misunderstanding, I think, is an important like element to get correctly, and so I care a lot about that stuff, and so maybe that like shows up. Also, I'll take any job, literally any job. So this isn't like me filtering anywhere. Um, I actually have a harder time with acting and comedy because I kind of care about acting in the sense that the two, the two often. I don't know. It makes me makes me feel like it's like a little too much sometimes, unless it's a specific kind of comedy that lines up with sort of exactly what I like, which is doing things like pretty seriously and allowing it to kind of radiate out of that. 
So I sometimes have a hard time with like sitcoms or things that are intended to be funny. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done a lot of it. I haven't I haven't worked very much as a um, uh, in the acting world uh, right. on comedy stuff. And that doesn't mean I'm not funny. I'm literally the funniest person that you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know who you know, uh, but you know, like I I like myself. I'm like fine with uh, comedy, but I do. I get kind of like a thrill out of um, out of intense moments, out of the intense side of the human experience. So I've always I've always been drawn to that stuff. Interesting. Um, and again, the, the character on the wire certainly is uh, seems to be right along the path that you, that you enjoy. Did you know? Um, did I guess? Did you know when you started out and you uh, kind of uh, got the part? Did they tell you? what the arc of the character is going to be yeah. or was you know yeah the audition was for and th- keep in mind back then yeah they didn't write shows like this they wrote episodics but mm-hmm. when i auditioned for the wire i auditioned for the last scene uh-huh. the wire was one of the very first shows to write it as a novel so they knew exactly where everything was going to go so they can have you audition for any piece of it uh, but that back then, like they were, they were way beyond the curve of what you know entertainment would become. And so, yes, I not only knew it, but I had no idea when the scene that I auditioned with was even going to show up or how it was going to show up. And they just kept shooting episodes, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> so yeah, it was interesting. Uh, it, it was that particular piece. That scene was shot, oddly enough, on the last day that they ever shot The Wire, the very last day. And so we all got there and someone in the crew had um, lost uh, a family member or lost basically, I mean, it was, everyone had come from a funeral. So -hmm. the day didn't start until noon. And and at noon, they started their last day of shooting The Wire. It was all on their sets because it was in the, um, it was in the police office. And every scene was someone's last scene ever on the wire and so they would stop production everyone would clap there would be flowers and people would like cry and give speeches and so the day just kept dragging on and my scene was supposed to be in the middle of that day and i guess because they were like pairing people off they took that scene and they moved it all the way to the end because it was just me uh you know mcnulty and bunk Mm -hmm. and that's it and so it's just those two and then some random dude 3 a.m. in the morning, there's a live audience of like, you know, 250 to 300 people all there to like witness the ending. It was the craziest experience that I will ever have as an actor. And it's very, very, it's not even lucky. It's like, it's such a gift. And so at that moment, what you see in that scene, which is a really intense scene and really interesting, is uh, just taking in the moment itself and allowing that to like make you go a little crazy and it was it was crazy the pressure was intense i was pretty young at acting at that time i didn't i never took acting classes like i was i was just kind of figuring my own process in my own way and um the intensity of the moment really uh you know what i really liked about what i was able to do is allow that to kind of almost seep in so that my nervousness contributed to the experience of the character yeah that's very cool. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of that show. It's it was, an amazing show. Yeah, it's it's different uh, type of show for me because uh, I'm I'm usually not a fan of something that kind of uh, that gritty. Uh, I, I I like I like to be more on the lighter spectrum uh, mm-hmm. or less violent uh, spectrum. Uh, but I couldn't stop watching. And no, it was, so good. It's fantastic. Uh, Michael Kostroff uh, was was my first guest on this show. <laughs> mm. So uh, yeah, Wire Wire is definitely has been uh, has been a part of the show from the beginning. So um, let's let's talk about the West Wing. Uh, not West Wing. See, the my favorite show ever is the West Wing, which immediately comes to mind. Wow. It's West World that I meant uh, initially, but we can talk about West Wing if you like. Are you a fan? <laughs> Uh, I, I've only watched three episodes total. I got you. I including you. the first one, which is a spectacular like piece of uh, structure, tone, performance, writing. Like it's a great, it's a great accomplishment of television. So I get it. I think it's an amazing show, but I never like got into it. Yeah, uh, Westworld. So let, let's talk about Westworld. Oh. Westworld. Um, you're a little familiar with it, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Having uh, again, this uh, you know the type of show that I usually or like based on the you know 15 minutes that we've known each other. Um, and I started watching Westworld, and it's fascinating to me on an intellectual uh, basis and on an existential basis because it raises a lot of uh, a lot of questions that I want to ponder on. And then. I keep going back to the to the the energy and the darkness and the energy and kind of like do I continue watching the show? So yeah. I'm, I'm there. I'm I'm a late arrival to Westworld, uh, and I'm enjoying it. I don't know if I'm gonna stick with it. It's one of those things like, do I want to put my nervous system through this? Am mm-hmm. I okay? So I kind of evaluate as I go. But it's it's a brilliant brilliant show with an incredible cast filled with. Pretty much everybody I really love as an actor. Yeah, I would say. Um, I mean, this is uh, this podcast has to do with acting, so let's address the acting side of uh, that. Uh, but we can also talk about opinions of the show itself. I think it's actually, you know, in an opinion side, that show is a lot more about family, and it's a lot more about hope than you may think it is. Uh, okay. But it's you get through through. So I understand all of your. Um, you know, the implications of watching it are, are pretty tough. And I go through that too. And that's intentional based on, you know, the creators and what have you. But mm-hmm. on the acting side, uh, just bringing up some of the themes that we've talked about already in terms of the difference between structure and freedom when you're dealing with acting. So like you, you get a sense of like an independent film, depending on the independent film. And it is very much about setting the space, setting the cameras, and then the pieces inside of the, inside of the frame have a lot of freedom. Like, let's just see what we find. Let's do, you know, like there, there is that kind of extreme, which is we're going to open this up to uh, almost uh, hoping for life to enter our frame and allowing life to be and then letting it kind of come out. And my job as a gardener or a director or a creator is to just try to set the space so that life can happen and then we capture it. And that's interesting. And then the other extreme is extremely uh, structured. 
extreme structure where every moment is understood, is pinpointed, highlighted, very carefully analyzed. And that is the Westworld experience. Mm -hmm. And so you're, you're putting yourself, especially as an actor, as such a cog inside of a very, very, very intricate machine. Every single moment, every single word, you know, some of these words have to be repeated. So the the attention to detail, not just of the the what you're saying, but how you're saying it, where you're saying it, every single department is actually going through that as well, including lighting, sound, uh, every single person is working at the the height of their ability to iron down precisely where every dot has to be on every page. And it's a fascinating way to work. And I you know, you know, as far as, you know, as far as you know, I love improvisation. Yeah. And for me to be in, a, in an environment like that has no effect on the importance uh, and the primacy of improvisation. It just puts it inside of a very specific context. And I think that's a, that as long as you go to that point, this can be very beautiful. And my job is to be inside the exactly where I need to be exactly the way that they need it and to bring life to it. And that last moment is still deeply and importantly improvisation. Never a single word, never a sentence, never a breath off of exactly what they need. But my job is to give that life. And I love that challenge. Even if it's, you know, like, I don't think improvisation is about being in an open field with nothing limiting you. The improvisation is being alive inside of a moment. And the more you compress that moment into its needs, like those costumes are intense, the the the, the timing is intense, like we would shoot deep into the night. Like it's such a challenging experience that I was thrilled by it. I just love it. I love how specific and difficult and challenging physically, physiologically, interdependently, like every single actor that you like on that show, if you like any of them, those yeah. people put up with a lot like these are not divas like in order to survive on a show like that these are incredible people who have also done enough process on their ego that they can function in a in a highly controlled environment so i'm i'm just like i'm deeply impressed with everyone on that show yeah um and again i i kind of i continue watching it from a purely acting uh perspective uh you know, putting everything else aside is just, you know, watching Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Ed Harris, uh, and we, we can go on and on. These are incredible, incredible artists. And it's it's just kind of breathtaking watching them work. So yeah, it's amazing. I I don't know. I, again, I know uh, you've, you've interacted with quite a few uh, in scenes, but do you ever get a chance to, um, and uh, shooting schedules are, are all varied, I get it, but do you ever get a chance to kind of uh, just sit there and watch and uh, and go to acting school uh, from uh, from a distance? Um, to some extent, uh, I mean, to get inside someone's process is difficult because uh, some of that work and process actually doesn't happen on set. A lot of that is the mentality and the way they live their life. Some of that process is the way they interact with human beings. Like for us, being alive and the way that you are alive dictates a lot of your work. And so, for example, like one of the, the things that you noticed, or at least like I felt I noticed about Anthony Hopkins is uh, just 
where his passion and focus and intensity is just being on set is very much about human beings, seeing human beings and talking about like small things, like being present as an individual. It's not this like obsessive dying for your craft kind of like uh, cut off, insulated type of feel. It's a very personal, almost like shockingly personal experience with time and space. And I learned that, I learned a lot of that from the actors on that show. It's a really, again, I can't, I can't specify, I can't clarify enough how difficult that show is to work on and how much people have to let go to get to the work on that show. And so for me, like watching uh, Tandy, the the number, like sometimes Tandy would be shooting several different episodes as several different characters inside of the same day. And there's no way you can, you can function through that and then be obsessive about your process. It's like, it comes down right into the moment. You almost like let things go, you do the best you can, and then it comes right down into the moment to actually get to the work, get past everything that's been distracting and, and just laser focus. So for me, our work on, on something, especially something to that, to that level of um, intensity, when you you have all of the departments that are kind of needing and having things, the work to look past all that and even access your work was a really eye-opening experience and really helpful for me. I, I I think I think I learned so much on that show that will last me for like the rest of my life. And I'm, it's just being around those people. Uh, it was a real gift. It's um, yeah. Uh, I <clears throat> it, it's it's interesting to me and uh, kind of switching a little bit, but uh, staying with the acting vein. Um, all of us as actors are products of the experiences that we've had. You know, started at early childhood. Um, the first thing you know about you, I had no idea how to pronounce your name. I, I had to kind of uh, look it up and uh, and see it. So growing up with a different name and then realizing kind of where you grew up, where you were born and some of the experiences that you have had, uh, how have they shaped you into the type of actor that you are right now? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I definitely like came into this through comedy, uh, which means that I'm like, I craft comedy from the world around me. A lot of those people tend to be people that were that uh, that ran into as children uh, looking for a way to survive an external situation and to view not just what is happening to you, but what is happening to you in the context of the people around you, and then be able to craft comedy based on that. And so there's a, there's almost a detachment level of that. Uh, you know, my parents uh, were divorced. I grew up in a small farming town in Northern California. Um, and my name was Ptolemy and I had freckles and red hair. Fortunately, I didn't have a mustache. But in middle school, I did get a perm because I grew up with my mother and my sister. And that was a really bad idea. Uh, so if you ever want to get made fun of 100% of your time, if you were looking like to go all the way up to 100%, definitely get a perm for no reason in middle school um yeah. and that's the basis so that's your background is your relationship to 
um, conflict, the conflict that happens around you, your relationship to trauma, and how you process that and put it together in a, in a way that is effective for you. So for me, my relationship to the outside world came through comedy, which is I need to take the world around me and I need to be able to spin it faster, as fast as possible, so that I can get ahead of it in some way and survive these moments socially, uh, this idea. Of, that's how I manipulated the world around me to, to gain as much control as possible. So what that gives me, the upside, the downside is I'm, I escape the moments. And acting is very important to be inside of the moment. And so it's taken me a lot of my adult life to uh, untrain some of those things, to allow for the danger, the anxiety to come into this space so that you can react inside the moment. But what it did give me was the ability of performance, which I think is different than acting. Performance is seeing everything and these, these constantly moving shapes that's always going on and kind of staying ahead of it and being able to control this as an instrument. And the reason I would control it as an instrument is to get ahead socially, is to make fun of it. And I did, you know, comedy through college and that was great. Uh, you know, very good at it. I'm amazing. But the, as you practice your relationship to the outside world, you are doing an exercise every single moment. So the way that you naturally build up your defenses, you practice that every single day, all the time. You're always practicing that. And to overcome those or to change that pattern takes a fast amount of work. It almost makes you want to give up on it because it takes so much work to out outdo what you're natively doing every day. So it's been a long process of me as an adult to practice stillness, to accept anxiety, to be here inside of this moment and to add that as a process in acting because it's, a, it's like a beautiful and necessary component to be both vulnerable, to be open, and to be yourself. So that's what I'm working on now. But my but my makeup, my origin comes from that the comedy element of avoiding the moment and being ahead of the moment and controlling the moment. Uh, that got me, you know, I appreciate the tools, but that's not everything. No. So what is your process like now <clears throat> as as you're getting uh the script as you're looking at things what uh things that you're willing to share you know what is your process like um what i've been doing recently is uh i've been taking out all other lines i've been doing this for a while um but this is also some of the my relationship to intuition again comes down to the moment of and so it has nothing to do with like improvising lines or what have you. It's like really coming down into the moment that you and I are making and having that moment mean something. And so to be as alive as possible inside the moment. And so one thing I've been doing is uh, rewriting uh, whatever the scene is, taking out everybody else's lines, taking out like punctuation. Uh, I think this is a technique that I've heard before, but um what I like to do is is almost be to to be somewhat surprised by what the other person is saying. Mm -hmm. So listening, the part that doesn't have to do with me in scenes, has become so much more important as my life goes on. Is that this scene is actually my experience of the scene, not the shit that I'm saying. And as you start with, I remember like being in 
uh, high school or college, you count the number of lines you have as like that's how good your your character is or like oh i have 47 lines you know in the whole thing i gotta memorize all these or whatever it is and i remember competing with other people like well they have more lines but i have bigger lines you know and that your interpretation of what your life is and what your purpose is are the things that you do and that's in many ways totally understand it but in many ways that's the opposite of the work hmm. the real work is what is it that you're accepting or what is it you're going through or what is it you're listening to what is it you're processing because if you put all of those in place when you take action when you place your own like foot forward or whatever it is you are the culmination of the things that you've gone through and just letting those things play out so <clears throat> using that if you remove the other person's lines how do you know that it's your turn to say yours because it could be a beat uh, or it could be the end where you're supposed to come in. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, I think there's different parts of the way that you memorize something mm -hmm. and how you put them into, um, you know, the short-term memory and long-term memory. And I think I think utilizing both as sort of a minor chord is mm -hmm. useful. So I want to be storing some things in short-term memory. I don't mm -hmm. want those things to be in long-term memory. I want these things to be in long-term memory. And then as you get up to the moment of the day or whatever, you'll go back and look at what the pieces are, where you need to be reacting. Sometimes you'll do a rehearsal. And some of that, I think being on edge and adding to that element of focus and paying attention to exactly what's happening, I want that to take full attention on the moment. And you need to not be having that happen with other parts of your work. Yeah. So I, also, I, I think maybe I'm used to myself, like I've been learning what happens to, you know, memorization is not glamorous, but the quality of memorization, your relationship to your brain and your storage is breathing. For us, like when you're swimming, nobody talks about how a swimmer breathes as they're doing like a hundred yard lap. They're just like, how fast are they? How, how fast are their legs moving? How much, whatever. But like, if they don't breathe, if you're not breathing correctly, then mm -hmm. none of this matters. And mm -hmm. between us and ourselves, our ability to take oxygen and keep ourselves updated, it, it's, not, it's not a one-to-one. -one. You don't put it in and it comes out. The way you put it in matters, the way you take it out matters, knowing yourself matters, even down to how, do you, how does your brain handle memorization? What are, what are the energy pieces that take up as much as you have? Because like our, like this is my, I have a light here. It's my light. But our brains run on a finite amount of electricity. It's very finite. It's about the same as a bulb. And that is the electrical from synapse to synapse. We only have a, a certain amount. Our brains are spectacular in a way we, we don't understand. We are much more efficient than any computer. Computers are judged by how much power they can run through them. So like, now I can run 10 gigajoules through this. You know what I mean? That's not us. We are incredibly efficient, but we still have a very finite amount of energy. And the question is, where what happens to your energy and how how do you create a relationship to know exactly where that flow of energy is best used at every single moment yeah very cool uh and this is why i wanted to have you on the show because i i know how introspective you are and i know how much you love the uh the craft and the different pieces of it so uh, I, I was I was really looking forward to this uh, this discussion. Yeah, because um, on set, the level of which uh, you need to interact with 
the people and departments and moments and you know that's literally your job that's going to take up a large amount of your space so yeah. you don't want to be overwhelmed at any time or you're fucked but yeah. at the same time there's any kind of pre-planning is is so dangerous and almost corrosive to that same relationship so you know you need to know exactly what you need to have away exactly what you need to be paying attention to exactly how much you're capable of like all these things and it all comes down to the same thing which it's so easy to say that acting is not art it's so easy and i love i love the process especially like when you do commercials of like going home at thanksgiving or whatever and people saying like hey i saw that i could have done that and the fact is yeah you could have you could have you would have been amazing you're just driving the truck that's it but that's not the job the job is getting up to that point and and getting into the mentality that you can do that consistently you know what i mean like it's so hard to understand how much work goes into executing what is ultimately unexecutable which is being alive inside of a moment that is incredibly unalive mm -hmm. and the amount of work that it takes to get there is hilarious it's almost not worth trying to explain how difficult it is uh and just people don't realize that the you know 15 second or 30 second spot i've had more difficult auditions for commercials in which yeah. i don't say anything That's than right. for a, a lead in a indie uh in which you know there's it's just ridiculous and the whole shoot of the commercials and the uh, sitting there for hours and hours and hours and hours and the director says, yes, okay, so let's try it this way. Good, okay, now let's do it this way. Now imagine that you're a squirrel and this is not your nut. How, what do you think is gonna sound like? And doing that over and over and over again, the emotional, psychological, and the physical drain that it takes, like at some point, you're talking about that finite energy and the memorization skills. At some point, the brain shuts off. Yeah. And at some point you realize, I don't remember what the fucking lines are anymore because I've been at this for hours. And then you just, you have to, you have to take a break, you have to reset and you have yeah. to get back into it. Like A lot of it is your relationship to yourself. Yeah. It's still tested. It is, it is very, um, it is, uh, you know, I don't know how to say that. It's almost like war, You're, you are going into a battle type situation. Mm -hmm in that your process cannot be crafted while it, that's happening. You can do the best you can, as you should always do, but your process needs to be so well ingrained and in place that it can compete with the impossible. Because the chances that you're going to be asked to do something that is not possible to you or to your your abilities or whatever it is, is incredibly high. It's not just, so you are asked to be alive inside of a moment that is not alive. And to do that is not what you think it is. Nope. The end result should be that it looks like you are actually doing nothing. And to communicate to yourself is that you actually are doing nothing. To go all the way past all the training to get to the point of like stillness is fascinating. But you have interacted with over 100 people today. One of them will have pissed you off. That's just going to be the case. It's going to be someone that is going through their own thing and they have brought it to the set and 
that it's a fire going on next to your face. Yeah. So you have a fire that's going on inside of you where part of you is being asked to be frustrated and you have to understand that part of you and say, I, I, I understand you and I, I need you to be still for the moment. We're going to address that like maybe some other time or never because this yeah. is your job. Then you have the other thing, which is uh, judgment. The entire, your entire life of judgment follows you everywhere. There will never be a time where you are not yourself. You have to wake up yourself and you are yourself at every moment. And what is fascinating is you and I, even as we're in this, we're, we're connected to each other's eyes. And this is training that goes back to before we had language. Before we had language, we were very sensitive to each other in terms of status, in terms of uh, likability, because if you didn't like me, if I couldn't correctly read your status with me or your disposition or your emotion, then I, would, I could die. I could be killed at any time. So we're very sensitive with eyes. And then what you have is this lens that is about this big, and it is the core of judgment that has come. It's everything that you have ever wanted to be. It's everything that you've told yourself about yourself. It's all of these things that come piercing at you to go now. And we made this bit right before we started this, which is the difference between saying action and saying whenever you're ready or however you, you know what I mean? You have the yeah. same relationship to yourself. Like when is the now? When are you doing it? When are you not doing it? Like there, all of these existential questions are going on at the same time that you are ultimately asked to be free. At the end of all of these things, inside of all of these restrictions, you must at the very end ask yourself to be free, free of everything that you've judged yourself on, free of everything that everyone around you have ju has judged yourself on, free of all the work that you thought should or shouldn't be. It's like, has to all come down in this moment. And it's not that easy. No, no, it's it's freaking hard, <laughs> and I find it I find it interesting how um, sometimes you have actors who have no training, and they get into a role, and it's just they're brilliant, and people are saying, it's "Wow, better that way, right?" And I keep I mean, on this telling is why we love this is why we love documentaries and why. They're, they're, the performances that occur in documentaries are what we're looking for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times you'll see it like when the internet comes around, you almost see an aesthetic that is absolutely art and absolutely beautiful because you're catching moments. That's what we want out of people. That's mm -hmm. our aesthetic is to see pure, uh, un, unaltered moments. And so, yeah, you can get that. You can get that uh, from someone that has never done anything or you can get that from someone that has done it so much and again, it's like, well, what, what God are you following into the unknown? Yeah. And that's part of it is I have no training. I can only rely on what I am. I can only do the best I can. That can be much, much better than someone that is just coming out of school, someone that is, that is leaning on their technique or their training or whatever, because that's not you. That's someone else's concept of how to do this. And until you realize that that is just a single step to the yeah. end result, you're you're fucked for years until you get back to that point of childhood. Thank you. But that's that's the beauty of being alive. That's what makes it like an art form is is you have to burn through that middle section of a half and half. Like the joke you made. That was yep. not that good. <laughs> no. no it was a, it's a fine joke, but if you bring in a pre a, you know bring in something that has been pre-planned and then combine it with something that is alive, it's like ah. 
which is another uh, another reason of why I didn't stick with improv because I realized that it's as much as I love it and as much as I use improv on a, on a daily basis anyway. But when it comes to being on stage and doing improv, um, I, I I seem not to be able to get out of the writer mode. And more often than not, I hear something and immediately I go into what it could be a few steps down the line. And then I tell myself to shut up because that's not improv. And I either become the straight man, uh, which is good because you need straight man in, the, in a scene, or I am in my head. So I found this to be a frustrating experience uh, until it just happens naturally and it's free and I love it. And then I want to do it again. So it was like one of those things where I love improv. I'll always love improv. And I probably would not want to be doing it on a regular basis in yeah. terms of. Well, that comes to set and set. To, you know, whoever's doing improv with you. Yeah. Defines what the improv is. Improv can be incredibly dangerous, as dangerous as any practice that I'm talking about, which is what are you practicing when you practice improvisation? What is your main goal and what it's almost like jazzercise or whatever, like literally what muscles is this working? Even if you think it's working improvisation or what have you, is it working the same muscles that got you out of danger and out of trauma in the past? Are you being lazy about the work? Uh, or is the work driving you to be less of yourself because it's engaging more of your mind than your heart? And improv has the capacity to do all of that. And you have the capacity to overcome all of that. It just gets much more difficult depending on the people that you're working with, the project you're working with, and how much ability you have to be free of your natural inclinations. Yeah. And so you brought up a couple things in what you said that will kill you. Number yep. one, your relationship to good, good and bad will mm -hmm. kill you. Because mm -hmm. even if you set an intention, if you are, if you have a piece of you that is holding on to this isn't good enough, or this isn't what I think other people think is good, or more dangerous than what I think is good, or if yep. you confuse the two, you're fucked. Because yep. you will, you have more training subverting yourself for the goal of good than you yep. do believing in, in learning something for yourself and doing something for yourself. And so that's very dangerous to go into improvisation with an idea that it has to be good. And in some ways you push away the good as you pursue it. Like any two like any two like ends of a magnet. They the farther the farther you reach the further you're pushing it because you're pushing. So that's mm -hmm. number one is what is your relationship to yourself and what are you willing to risk in order to be what you believe is right. So that's between you and yourself. And number two is, what's your environment like? What are the goals of the people around you also doing improvisation? Because if that's not in place, it's far too easy to burn through time, burn through jokes. Like if the world around you is on fire, even then, that's a, that's, a good, that's a good place for you to learn like, hey, I'm here for the acting. I'm here for the real moment. So there isn't a time. Never. There has never been a time where you can't improvise through insanity around you. But you must hold on to yourself. You must hold on to what you believe is right. And you'll notice if you can commit to it against the tide that is pushing against you, you'll notice that it actually locks you in further. The more you let go of good, the more you lock into like, well, actually, this is why I'm doing it. This is what I believe in. 
you'll you'll start to actually pull the audience toward you. Hmm. What we do a lot of times with improvisation, which we do in a lot of stuff, is we are expressions of our desperation. We want so badly to be liked. Yeah. We are so shattered inside that what we want is to be accepted. And we have gone to this activity like we go to all activities because we want to like ourselves at the end of the day. And we believe liking ourselves means other people like us. Yep. And if you walk onto stage with that even that door open a tiny bit, it will blow open. Yep. The wind is always the wind is always strong on stage. You must shut that door and lock it. Yeah. Literally. And that's a lot of work to get to the point where you can shut the door and lock it and say, I am here for myself. And when you do that, you're actually serving the audience, which is fascinating. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people walk on stage and then they lean out toward the audience to try to collect any scrap of of save salvation for their mm -hmm. own sense of self mm -hmm. and that's such mm -hmm. an insult to them they have come to be drawn onto stage if you reach out to them you're insulting them and you're insulting yourself so until you are something fully fully complete and fully substantiated on stage then they can they can come up to stage with you but you've got to risk failure and you've got to know who you are it's i found it a fascinating experience and uh the the purity of that moment uh the the time when i was completely open uh was not when i was on stage doing improv it was when i was on stage doing intuitive readings or mediumship readings because there you cannot pre-plan anything you have to shut everything off and you just have to be a channel and whatever comes you have to trust it so it's the it's the yes and you trust and say because if you don't say it it may stop uh, coming so you have to be so clean and so free of everything it, it's it that was kind of the most freeing experience and it went straight back to what I wanted to feel when I was doing improv, which is just, mm -hmm. I'm here. Yeah. I, I have nothing planned. Uh, let's, let's just go. And the crazy so, thing is, the only difference between those two things is you. Right. I know. It's your disposition, and yeah. it's, you know, it's, uh, it's who you bring to that moment. And I would say the re the, like there's a good lesson in there. What you like, I don't understand what mediumship is in this case, but <laughs> what you like about that, and all we all work in different ways because we managed our anxiety in different ways as it built up, right? But for you, what it sounds like is because mediumship worked is you set something that was outside of you as the source. Yeah. And so this is when we get into the idea of what is the purpose of God? What is, what is God and what is the purpose of it in our lives? Why does God exist? Why do people that believe in some kind of God, like when they were firing missiles into Israel, why is it that people that had a sense of God could survive the unknown better than those that didn't? But it's taking a center that is you, that you are the responsibility for everything and wrapping yourself around your own anxieties or trauma and then picking that up and putting it out here and like, I'm driving here. And the opposite can be true for some people. They put everything outside of them so that they, they're not taking personal responsibility. And now they're, they're getting rid of themselves by saying, oh, God is everything. It's, oh, it's all out there. I'm, I'm going to leave it up. That's, that's der dereliction of responsibility. 
But yeah. for you, it seems like you exist here. And so when you can take that and place it outside of you as a flag and drive toward the flag, there's a balance that happens. Mm-hmm. And that balance is vitally important. Yeah. And so you can get that in everything. You just mm-hmm. need to know yourself and you need to know how to align yourself so that when you are inside of that moment, there is there there's a tension. Like everything in our lives is a tension. And if it is not tensioned, then we are spinning somewhere. You need to find out what is your natural tension and how to counter it. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what mediumship is, but <laughs> there are some. Le- it feels like because you have that as an example of something positive, you had mm-hmm. an artistic experience with mm-hmm. it. I don't care what it is. What right. I care about is what how it affected you. Yeah, because it was it was a complete trust. So that's right, uh, and that's that's very hard. Correct. Uh, and by the way, mediumship, uh, you know, in case you want to know, and for those who are, who are watching, mediumship is the ability to communicate with the beyond uh, and speak to the souls of those who are no longer on this plane. Whether you believe it or not is a completely separate discussion. But, you know, I've taken classes and I, I had instances where, you know, it was a workshop and they basically lined up people and put us there. You don't know these people and you have 30 seconds to go person to person. You have no time to think. You have no time for anything. You just basically have to be there. Whatever comes in, you have to say. And then the stuff that I was saying was resonating with the other person that was making them cry. And I had no idea of, uh, there was just, there was no judgment. That's the other part, right? So there's there's complete trust. It's it's just empty vessel and there is no judgment onto what comes in. You're just there to deliver the uh, message. And... That was the the experience, and I kept on going back to improv. I'm like, hmm, that's that's what improv is supposed to be like. It is. Yeah. It's not improv. That's how everything is supposed to be. Very true. Very true. Uh, one more thing I wanted to bring up, and it uh, doesn't have anything to do with the work that you have done, but knowing that you've done uh, you've done some chess, uh, I've uh, been fascinated with uh, Queen's Gambit that I just uh, devoured uh, last week. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I've seen the first five. Uh, yeah, it's they. Two more to go. Yeah. Oh, there's only seven. Yeah, it's a limited series. Oh, interesting. Um, couple things that are accurate in that is uh, the culture, the chess culture is pretty well represented. The way that uh, tournaments work. I mean, except for like, it's very frustrating to be this far in my life and like complain about Hollywood things. But the speed at which they play some of those things are, is hilarious. But then how do you show how long chess tournaments are? You know what I mean? Like, cause time is such an insane third player in all of the, like just the mass amount, oceans of time that you're left with. It's just you and time and this other person. And sometimes time compresses and you're screwed and other times you know, like time, there isn't, there is no sense of the edge of time and you're also screwed in that way. So I got irritated a little bit when they're like playing so fast. It's like, that's, that's speed chess, but cool, 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 cool. In any case, they got a lot of stuff right. And number two, uh, the psychological fringe mm-hmm. of, of focusing so hard on a logical element. What that does to your brain and actually how dangerous that is for you and for others uh 
I got to because that was my experience. If you were working on a game or a subject or, a, or anything that is limited in only inside of the world of logic, that can do some actually pretty dangerous things to you, in my opinion. And it did, for me, it got pretty dangerous, like got pretty obsessive. And psychologically, that can be unhealthy, depending on how you manage it. And I was younger when I when I was playing chess, and I don't know if I knew how to manage it, and I was good at it. But uh, at a certain point, I, I cannot play chess anymore. Mm. It's just too much. It's too, it's too, it, it can be, even the things that you're good at can be killing you. Uh, <laughs> and so you just got to be careful. It's, you know, I don't know. So, yes, I, 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 I think it's good. It's a good show. It covers a lot of things that are necessary for that. Um, so I liked, I liked the show. Uh, that, that's my response. I get you. I, I just thought, uh, again, based on your background, I wanted to know what you thought of it. So um, last question for you, as I know we're kind of uh, running along. Um, if you, I mean, you, you shared a lot of your wisdom and approach already, but if you had to give one piece of an acting advice to anybody watching this, what would that be? Um, I don't know. Uh, number one, don't uh, listen to advice. Advice is all things that come outside from the outside into you. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a single piece of advice that is right or true. There are things that you respond to because they line up with the way that you're functioning. There are things that encourage you, but those are all ingredients. And the only answer will come from you. There's never been a person that has said anything that made anyone do anything else. It's that it's the process of taking the truth from the outside and putting it into yourself. You are the only person that you that is responsible for any of your success or failure. You're the only person that listened to any piece of anything. It's all in your ability to act upon something that you've heard or believe or whatever, but it all comes back to you. No one made you good. No one is right about you and no one can change you. On the other hand, you are also responsible for all of that. No one can help you. No one can, no one can get you out of the cycles that you are in. It's your relationship to yourself defines everything. So I don't know, I don't love advice and there is no like answer. And a lot of times wh why we go to advice or why we look up quotes or all these things is we are trying to, to feel comfortable or to know that what we are doing is correct. And so if there is any single piece of advice, it is none of that was it. It is all your relationship to yourself and what you take in and what you're, what you're believing, what you're acting on. And there's never an end to working on yourself. I don't know. Is that a piece of advice? I think that's a great piece of advice. And also explains probably why uh, Leo DiCaprio is, may never appear on my show because the more I listen to him and the more I kind of uh, you know, read his quotes, the more the acting process, uh, he says, I don't talk to other actors about their process. You know, I have kind of my own and I observe and some things make sense to me. So if I start asking him these questions, I'm sure he's not going to want to talk about it. Okay, I'm not sure, but I imagine that that wouldn't be the case. So it makes uh, your, your advice makes a lot of sense. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good. 
Um, thank you, Tommy. I, I really appreciate you uh, you jumping on, putting up with my uh, you know bad uh, bad attempts at humor. And oh, it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. I will never forget it. Yeah. Well, I never. hope as as you sleep at night, I hope you process just what you could have said differently, what you should have said differently. I hope you hurt yourself about it. I just I. I hope it just goes into this great hole because you made one mistake ever, and that is improvisation. <laughs> Absolutely. And then uh, as soon as we're done taping, I'm going to be crying. So uh, you better believe that. Good. But let it out. You got to get through the trauma. Perfect. Well, thank you, man. I really, really yeah, appreciate. Yeah. Thanks for talking to me. It was fun. Yeah, well, likewise, and thanks to everybody for tuning in and to another um, fascinating. Again, I. All of these conversations are incredibly fascinating to me, so I hope you find them that as well. Um, thank you for tuning in, everybody, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Love of Acting. Bye. Bye.